Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby to Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Exactly two weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I, uh, I woke up in a lot of pain. I, I had tweaked my back the week before, and, and, I, and I've had back issues for a long time. I've had surgery, and, I, and I've got a, a disc that's, that's mostly gone. And, and, you know, I manage it and just live through the pain, and, and we, we, we just keep going. But, but it had flared up. And, and so Sunday morning, I'm laying there, and I'm not wondering if I should get out of bed. I'm wondering if I can get out of bed. And so I'm laying there saying my prayers, and, and, and I said my prayers, and, and at the end I said, God, just, can you just please give me an easy day today? You know, I just want to get up and have my cup of coffee and, and go and, and, you know, feed my horses and, and go to church and hear, hear a great message and, and see my, my peeps and, and fellowship and then maybe have a nice lunch and spend the afternoon with my family. And, and then we had a conference call that night with the Long X Ranch Cowboys, which I always enjoy. Do that, and then go to bed early. How about that? So, got out of bed, went outside, fed the horses, and it, and it was cold that morning. Uh, we'd had about eight inches of snow the Friday before, and it hadn't warmed up, and so all that snow was still laying on the ground, but the, but the cloud cover had gone, and you know, so in the, when the stars are shining in the morning, it's cold. And, and uh, so I... <laughs> A few days before, we had put some heavy cows down in, in the creek bottom down below my house. For, for you Southerners, a creek is a, is a body of water, a small body of water that flows downhill. Um, a creek is, is what the floor does in the bunkhouse when you step on it, okay? Uh, huh? Yeah, the yeah, creek in my back, too. That's very timely. Thank you. Uh, so we'd put, some, we'd put some cows down there that were getting ready to calve, but they were still a couple weeks off. But, you know, you, know, you guys that have calved cows, you know that you can get some early calves. So, so uh, when I was down there the day before, I'd noticed uh, my son, Coy, he has one old cow left. Um, and she's a big Charlotte Angus cross cow, weighs 1,900 pounds. We know that because we, we weighed her one day. And uh, I'd noticed she was acting kind of funny the day before. So I'm on... On Sunday morning, I'm like, God, I don't want to walk, try to walk down through that crusty snow and, and check on that cow. You know, she's, she's always calved easy, big, gold, strong calf. She's a great mother. She'll take care of him. And then you know how that Holy Spirit kind of says, yeah. And I've learned to listen to that the hard way. Uh, so I, okay, I'm going to go down there and just, just check on her quick before, before I get in the shower. Got down, went to the feeder. Of course, she's missing. Yep. I see a single lone set of tracks going off in the snow. So I'm Elmer Fudd now, right? And I, I'm walking like this, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check this cow. And, and I finally found her in the, in the brush. There's a lot of willows down there. I tracked her into the brush, and sure enough, she'd calf. But instead of a big, healthy, strong calf, there was two little ones laying there. She'd had twins, and she'd had them in a snowbank. And one was already dead. He, he wasn't even fully formed. His uh, intestines were actually outside of his body. But the other one was barely still alive. And it was just laying there on its side. And it, and, and it could lift its head up a little bit, but, but uh, that was it. And the, the cow had licked the, the top side of the calf off as best she could, but he was still laying there shivering in the snow. And it had a really raspy, gurgly uh, breathing. And, you know, I tried to, I tried to get, roll it up on its 
on its chest and it couldn't, its legs were stiff, and I'm like, this, this calf isn't gonna make it. Gavin in, in Montana, you know those calves aren't gonna make it. So, but I'm like, I gotta try, I gotta do something. So I hobbled back up to the car, went up, got Koi out of bed, it's his cow, his calf. So I said, we need to get going, we need to get down there. Drove down there in, in, in the, the ranch car. If, if, if you guys are looking for a good ranch car, the, the Toyota 4Runner is outstanding. It, 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 uh, we've got 300,000 miles on that thing and it runs great with hardly any maintenance and there's all kinds of leg room in the back seat for a baby calf. And so we, we, we found that out because we went ahead and, and drove down in there cause, cause it, because it had snowed and, and, and gotten that cold, it was kind of crusty and frozen. So we were able to drive up to the calf and he's got a hurt shoulder and I got a hurt back and we, we loaded the calf up, got it warming up in the back seat, got it to the house, uh, Put it in front of the fireplace and started rubbing it with towel. Drying it off. Trying to get it moving. Trying to get some circulation in it. And after a while, it, it kind of started turning those legs a little bit. Like, okay, well, this is a good sign. Said, but it was just shivering so violently. I'm like, I got to get something warm in this calf's belly. And, and I knew there was no way he was going to nurse a bottle. So I went ahead and mixed up some, some powdered colostrum and, and ran a tube, tube the milk directly into his belly. And, uh, and then we, we just kind of waited. And uh, when that warm milk hit him, all of a sudden he's like, ooh, you just see, oh, in those calves. And, and I kind of rolled it up on his chest and it looked up and started looking around. I'm like, this thing's a little fighter. It's gonna, it might, it might want to make it. So I called up Brett. I said, Brett, you feel like skipping the first service this morning and grabbing your horse and helping me get this cow out of the, out of the brush down in, down in the creek bottom? Well, Brett's like me in, in Catholic, uh, in as a Catholic, as a kid, when I was an altar boy, if there's any excuse to get out of church, I'm going to take it. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there right away. And, and so he loaded, I went outside. By that time, Kathy had gotten home, and she'd been nursing all night, taking care of little babies. And so um, who, who better to, take, to, to hand the calf over to than her, right? I went out and saddled a horse. I wasn't sure how I was going to get on him, but, but I saddled one. And Brett showed up, and I, I got to admit, I, I used the mounting block to get on my horse that day, guys. It was a rough, it was a rough day. The first time I've had to use a mounting block to get on my horse, because he's big. I picked my big horse. And I told Brad, I said, it shouldn't take us long to do this. It's, it's gonna be pretty easy. And so, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the words of death, right? So we get down there, ride down. He brought, he brought Sharon with him. The three of us ride down there. I took a sled with the long rope attached to it. We put the dead baby calf in the sled, started, Brad dallied up, started dragging it out of the, out of the creek bottom. And you got to go, and it, it, it's called a road, but it's more like a trail that goes down into here. And, and so we had to get the calf out of the brush, across the flat, up, up that road, through a little pasture, across the county road, and into, into the pens at my house. It's going great. The cow's just, you know, following that calf along, smelling it. Sharon and I are riding behind, just keeping, it's going, I mean, it's like, we're going we're gonna to be, we're going to be back in time for church, probably. She got to the top of the hill right before we went through the gate, and she said, nope, I'm going back to where I calved. And this 1,900-pound cow bails off a, I mean, a steep embankment down through the brush and takes off. Well, I raised this heifer, and as a yearling, we used her for ranch roping, and I've roped that probably a hundred times in her life. I'm like, I'm just gonna rope her. She's darn near broke the lead. It's gonna be easy. Just lead her right out of here. Shouldn't be a problem. 
the roping part was easy. But but she she had said, No, I'm not I'm not really gonna move. And she wasn't on the fight, but when a when a cow that big decides she's not gonna move, what are you gonna do? And when I'd pull on her, she'd just choke and wanna lay down. So we we uh said some words that I had to repent for and then we we poked and prodded and whipped and got her finally back up to the top of that hill where where she'd gone off and then she headed off that embankment again and I got my dallies right then and I stopped her. But she's right on the edge of it, kind of with her back feet over the edge, and I've got her stopped. <clears throat> At that point, I said, well, Brett, why don't you go get your trailer, and we'll just load her right here. We'll load her in the trailer. It should be easy. We'll just... Right there, back up to her. Get a couple of horses on her. Pull her in the trailer. So while he was getting his trailer, I was sitting there holding her, and and she's starting to kind of choke a little bit and lean back, and I'm trying to give her a little slack. So, so Kathy got down behind her. Uh, she'd come down by then and, and was behind her, kind of just holding her, pushing on her, making sure she didn't go back. Uh, uh, Brett got down there with the trailer, and, and I said, man, I need just a couple steps. I need to bring her up just a couple steps so that we can load her. And so I got turned my big bay horse and took another two, two wraps, and <clears throat> here we went. And I pulled, and she took one step forward and then just threw herself backward over that embankment. And she was taking my horse over backward with her. And so I whipped him around facing her, and, and so she was kind of leaning back, and, and I'm dallied up and, and holding her. And at that point, my horse said, I've had just about enough of this. And, and he uncorked it. Went to bucking with me. Okay. Well, this horse has never bucked before, so I didn't know how he bucked, but I found out real quick that... that that he gets a lot of air when he bucks. He doesn't go very far forward, but he gets a lot of air up and down. And so every time he came down, my two vertebrae start grinding together in my sore back, and I'm like, this, is, this isn't for me. I, I gotta quit. And I, Kathy, I don't remember, I thought I was saying bad words, but Kathy said I wasn't. She just said, she just said at one point you said, uh, I've had enough of this, I'm getting off. So, I hit the eject button and I can fly. Well, I can't fly, but I can land. And, and, and so then the horse ran off up to the house and Sharon had to go get him. So now we're sitting here with Brett shows up with the trailer, cows down off in the brush, down on the bottom of this embankment. All right. So Brett, let's just take the trailer down this trail down to where she is. We can load her down there. It's going to be easy. Okay. Brett gets in. Starts going down this trail where the frost had come out. And, and it was really greasy and it was kind of sloped from the upside to this embankment. And as he starts going down, the whole truck and trailer starts sliding off into that, off this edge. And so Brett guns it, gets down to the bottom. But now I'm sitting here thinking, how are we going to put a 1,900 pound cow in a, in a horse trailer and get back out of here without tipping this whole thing over? So we spent the next 30 minutes, I called, I got Coy and he got my truck and we spent the next 30 min minutes winching that truck and trailer out of, up that slope out of the creek bottom. Now we got the truck and trailer up to the top, okay? We got, still got the cow down at the bottom. So now what are we gonna do? Well, by that time, the second service was over. <laughs> so I called a Mitch, or someone called Mitch, I'm not sure, said, go to Gary's Lowers, get, grab the hot shot and get down here. Pretty soon Gary and, and Mitch show up and, and Mitch says, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, 
Brett's going to go down there and grab my long rope and snake it through the brush and dally up, and you're going to take the hot shot and walk in there and, and get her out of there. Should be easy. <laughs> and he looked at me like, like, like you're, you are insane. Well, he didn't realize, because I, I told him the cow was sold up, he, he, he thought that meant she was on the fight. She actually wasn't on the fight. She was just done for the day. Like, she had quit. She was standing there. Just, you could see her right there. <laughs> so Mitch starts creeping through the brush. Brett dallies up and hits her with it, and she bellers, and out she comes. And, and uh, we, <laughs> I, think, I think to be in the GAP program, you can only hot shot a cow twice, but I think we hot shot her about 100 times getting her, finally got her to the pants. Well, day over, right? Easy. No problem. Well, no, now we got a baby calf who was running around the basement peeing all over, wanting to learn, wanting to, to learn how, to, how to suck. And so now we get to milk the cow, right? Well, she's not a milk cow. She's a range cow. So we get to rope her again, tie her to a, to a post, and, and here I am with my back, like hurting a little bit now, down here milking while she, avoiding the kicks. And, and uh, finally got that working, finally got, finally got things are looking up. And at 6.30 that night, I finally caught the tail end of the, of the conference call on TV or on, on, the, on the phone. And so I'm sitting there in my chair and way worse off than when I started. Like, I'm, I'm sore, I'm hurting, I'm beat up, bruised from, from that horse bucking with me. And I'm thinking... Man, I wonder what a desk job is like. Man, wouldn't that be cool? Just, you know, have my weekends off, not have to do any of this. And thinking, man, I, like today, every decision I made was, was wrong. I had the, like the opposite of the King Midas touch. Everything King Midas touched turned to gold. Everything I touched that day turned to sheep droppings. And, it was, and, and the one question I had after that is, is this all worth it? Is it even worth it, all of this? Well, to, to determine that, I decided I was going to do a risk versus reward analysis because I'm kind of that way, right? What was the risk that we had that day? Well, well, we all risked a lot. Brett, Brett risked his life driving that truck and trailer down in that creek bottom and almost sliding and rolling the whole works over, right? You know, Kathy was, risked herself. She was back behind a 1,900-pound cow actually trying to hold it from going down over, over an embankment. She's behind it, okay? Well, he risked his injured shoulder over and over again, uh, lifting a calf, uh, shuttling vehicles, I mean, doing everything. Uh, he was down in the, in the brush trying to, to get her out of there, too. Mitch risked himself taking a hot shot and, and going into the brush after a cow that he didn't know how mad she was, right? And, of course, I risked a little bit putting a rope on a cow that big and, and, and trying, to, trying to get her up out of there. You know, cowboying is full of risk. It's, it's, a, it's a job that demands sacrifice. There's no other way you can do it. Ranching, cowboying, it demands sacrifice. It, it's every day, it's full of that. But, but what were the rewards? Well, we saved a life. Okay? We, we got to work as a team. I did get to spend the day with my family, working as a team, right? Uh, we worked, there's no quit in any of those people that were, that were down there that day. Uh, Everybody, every time I made a poor decision, they, they didn't hesitate. Mitch hesitated a little bit, but they didn't hesitate. We just went on to the next thing, went on to the next thing, okay? Uh, true, true servant. Uh, 
you know, the, the willingness and, and, and the, the ability to trust people like that is, is, uh, is a huge reward. And, and the fact that, that we get to do that and, and provide food for needy families is, is a huge reward in, in ranching. So what about our, our Christian walk? Okay. I, I, the question that comes to my mind a lot of times, it's the same thing. Is this really worth it? Is it worth it? Is, is all the things that we're, that we're struggling with worth it? So, of course, we, we need to do a risk-reward analysis of, of, of following God. Truly, true following God in a, an authentic Christian way. Not, I'm not talking about, you know, putting your toe in the water. I'm talking about diving in. So, when... When we dedicate our life to Christ, he, he tells us honestly that the world's going to hate us. In, in John 15, 18, this is Jesus talking. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no, no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. That's pretty rough. We're living in a world that hates us when, when we make that choice. Okay? I've lost friends. I've, I've risked. I've lost family members. Um, when, I, when I started with this ministry, they looked at me like Mitch looked at me, like you are crazy to do that. What else do we risk? We, we have to give up worldly things. We have to give up possessions. We have to, we have to give up the sinful pleasures of, of this life. Um, we no longer live for ourselves. We, we live to serve others, and, and there's a big risk involved in that. When we, when we step up and we stand out, we, we become a target for Satan. And, and believe me, he attacks. He doesn't attack people who aren't, who aren't uh, furthering God's kingdom. He's attacking those who are. And so there's a lot of risk involved in that. Um, you know, the, the disciples, when they, when they started going out and, and spreading the good news, they risked, risked their lives. They risked their freedom. They risked they bodily harm. Uh, they, they gave up their possessions and, and, went and went and did God's work. I, Coy, Coy, my son, is in, in a Christian school, and, and they, they do a theology class. And, and a few weeks ago, he was doing a, a study on, Bible study on Acts, and I was helping him study for a test. And, and we were reading through Acts, and, and, and you read about Paul's missionary journeys. And Paul's like one of my heroes. He, that, that dude is double tough, or was double tough. He is, because he's alive in heaven. Uh, but he, he was double tough, and... and and it kind of set a pattern. He'd go to these towns and, and go in there, and they would kind of greet him, and, and he'd, he'd start preaching the good news. He'd start preaching the opposite of, of what the Jews wanted to hear, that, that you don't need to follow the law anymore, that you just need to believe in Jesus Christ as your Messiah. So they, they thought he was uh, a blasphemer, and then the Gentiles just thought he was crazy. Like, what is this crazy talk? And so he'd tar- start talking to them. Next thing you know, they'd form a mob. They'd beat him up. They'd run him out of town. He'd go on to the next town. Start, start talking. Start proclaiming the good news. They'd listen to him a little while. Think, man, this guy is crazy. They'd form a mob. They'd beat him up. And they'd run him out of town. And his whole first missionary journey was, was kind of like that. So he risked a lot. He was imprisoned. He was beat up. He was, he was uh, shipwrecked. I mean, he, he, he had to go to court several times. And so for his, for his uh, faith, he risked everything because he was martyred too. 
What about Jesus? When we talk about sacrifice, when we, when we talk about Christian sacrifice, Christianity requires sacrifice. There's no other way. It's designed that way. It's designed to be hard. Why? Because if it was easy, we wouldn't need a, a, a Lord and Savior, would we? It's designed around sacrifice. So Jesus, you know, he, what did he risk? Well, he risked everything, willingly. He laid his hands out on the cross and said, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm risking everything. I'm sacrificing myself for you so that you can have no longer, sin will no longer be a barrier between you and my God. Now, now you can walk with me hand in hand and, and we no longer have that barrier in our life. So Christianity is risky. We all know that. Everybody in here knows that, right? We've all experienced it. But, so what's the other side of that? What are the rewards that we get? First of all, we get God's promises, all of God's promises. If you read the Bible and don't know God's promises, I recommend reading it. Uh, we get God's love. God promises blessings. In Luke 6, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. A reward for for a true rock with, with God is a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Now, now we can have that in our daily lives. We no longer have to be out here in, in, a, in a boat adrift on the sea just trying to make it on our own. We have, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and tell us when we're doing something stupid. Like, like he tells me a lot. We have a good, me and the Holy Spirit are like this because, because he sure tells me a lot uh, when I'm making a bad, bad decision. Uh, we get forgiveness of sins. No other faith besides Christianity teaches that. Forgiveness of sins. We get a church family. We get this. Okay? When, when, we, when we decide that we're going to have an authentic Christian life, we get fellowship. We get, we get people in our lives who believe like us and who, and who share that with us, share our burden, share our pain, share our joy. Uh, Answer the phone when, they, when you call first thing in the morning. You know, they, I got friends that I know are friends because they still answer the phone when I call them at 5.30. You know you got a friend, okay, after five years if they still answer their phone. <coughs> in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.17, this is Timothy, this is Paul talking. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. He's saying the church is, was his pride and joy. He and Timothy and all the other disciples, that's what they were commanded to do, is go out and start the church. And they did. When, when I talked about all the struggles Paul had, what I didn't talk about was by the third missionary journey, by the third time he'd been to those towns, he'd established churches in every single one of them. He'd established leadership that was knowledgeable about, about the good news and about the, the scripture. And that, was, that founded the modern-day Christian church. That founded this, what we've got here right here today. Okay? What's the greatest reward we get for, for following God? We get eternal life. We get... 
to get through this, this hard time down here, which is a grain of sand uh, compared to eternity. We get through this life, and then we get to spend the rest of our life with God in, in paradise. What, what more of a reward can we have than that? In 1 Peter 1, verse 8, it says, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. Is it worth it? Was, get, was that day of, of pain and, and bad decisions worth it? Well, it took that calf about 10 days to, to get strong enough. But a couple days ago, I, I turned that cow and that little tiny calf back out in the creek bottom and got to see that little fellow running around and jumping and playing with the other calf. Yeah, it, to me it's worth it to save that life, to see that happen, to, to, to finish the job. Did Jesus think it was worth it? Absolutely. Because now, because of him, because of his sacrifice, because of him following the Lord, and doing everything he said, now we all have uh, the blessings and, and the, the faith and the, and the relationship with, with him, and we have eternal life with Lord with no sin in the way. Did Paul think it was worth it? Absolutely. He, 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 his, one, his one goal was to, was to establish a church, and that's what he did. So, so my question to you guys is, is it worth it to you? Is it worth it to you to, to go all in in your, in your walk with God? And um, I can't determine that for you, but I sure hope the answer to that is yes. In the words of, uh, of a local rancher that lives down on Bijou Creek, if it was easy, everybody would do it.